Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there is always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. Registration is now open for 2022 camps. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you? Welcome to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast, the podcast for serious hockey players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their hockey careers. And now, here is your host, New England Hockey Journal's Kirk Ludicky. And welcome to yet another episode of the New England Hockey Journal RinkWise Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Ludicky. I am so glad to be joined here today with Youngstown Phantoms general manager and friend of Kirk, uh, Jason Deskins. Uh, Desi, great to have you. Thank you so much for coming on RinkWise. Uh, thanks for having me, Kirk. Excited to be here. Yeah, no, it's it's great to have you because you know we were briefly chatting beforehand and was talking about how with your experience as a player and a general manager at the North American Hockey League and your current position as, as general manager of the Youngstown Phantoms, the USHL, you're very conversant in junior hockey. You're going to be able to to really get to that and, and, and answer maybe a lot of questions that that players and parents that are that, that aspire to play junior hockey in the U.S. and, and, and play in those two very renowned and respected leagues want to get to. So we will get to that. Let's start with you, Michigan guy, grew up grew up playing hockey, and, and you had an opportunity to play junior hockey. You played college in Miami. Just talk about your journey, your path, and, and how you were able to, to, to play hockey at those high levels, play some pro, and then continue to stay connected in the game like you have. Yeah, so I grew up a um, little, well, actually not too little, probably the third or fourth biggest city here in Michigan and Warren. Um, my dad never really played. My uh, family didn't have much of a history with hockey or background uh, with hockey. Um, he actually got a phone call from a buddy and said, hey, you know, take my kid up to the local rink, which is how I got involved and um, ran, ran through the Michigan hockey circuits all the way until I was 15 years old. And at 15, I moved up to Toronto, uh, played in, in uh, midget hockey there one year and then played in the Metro Junior League back when, when that was a thing uh, for the Markham Waxers. Uh, came back home, uh, finished my uh, junior career playing in the North American Hockey League uh, for the Compuware Ambassadors, which the North American League's um, vastly different today than, than what it was back uh, back when I played, but uh, I think uh, probably provides even more opportunity for kids. Um, and then moved on from, from there to play uh, college hockey at Miami University and um, had a, a cup of coffee in, in the American League and uh, played a few years in the East Coast Hockey League as well. And uh, once, um, once my college career ended, you know, obviously, uh, played a few years of minor professional and then decided that it was time to, uh, probably look at a different path in hockey and got into coaching youth hockey here in the Metro Detroit area. And I've done that for about 15 years now, uh, with several different organizations. 
uh, and then obviously have, have uh, tried to advance uh, in the management side of, of junior hockey as well. And uh, thankfully, it has all kind of culminated now with being the GM in Youngstown. Yeah, so, you know, we, we have a history together. And that, one of the reasons I wanted to, you know, to have you on as a guest is because I know there aren't many people that are that have more of a broad perspective. Uh, you've, you've really done it all, you know, whether we're talking about your background as a player, you're, you're coaching high-level AAA, you're, you're a general manager at the North American Hockey League and U.S. Hockey League, you know, top, Tier 1 and Tier 2 junior levels. I mean, you've really done it all, uh, Jason. So just um, when you look back on how the game, you, you talked about it a little bit when we were going through your background, you talk about how the leagues, you know, North American and U.S. hockey leagues have, have changed uh, since you were a player, kind of, can you can you talk to that just in terms of how has it changed? Is it is it kind of like pro hockey where the skill sets are so much better and the games are faster? Is it is it the is the pathway different? Is it is it style of play? What what is it that's different about junior hockey now in in the NHL compared to when you were when you were a player? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think first and foremost, just structurally. Uh, USA Hockey is, has really changed the path and how it looks. Like back when I played for CompuWare, uh, we had a kind of a, a broad scale national championship that uh, encompassed, you know, the North American League, the USHL, uh, the Eastern Hockey League, uh, the Rocky Mountain Hockey League. Um, so it was essentially, you know, um, I don't know, maybe five or six different tier one leagues that all kind of culminated in playing against one another for a national championship back then. Um, you know, so for us in particular, for Michigan kids, there really wasn't a ton of need uh, back then to uh, leave your state or go play, uh, you know, in the USHL because you could play in the North American League and, and play in a tier one schedule and league and um, still get a ton of exposure and, and then obviously play against those teams uh, for the national championship. Anyhow, um, that's changed obviously drastically over the, over the years. And now we have kind of a tier one slash tier two model, um, which I think is great, to be honest with you. Uh, I think it's provided uh, even more opportunity for more players uh, to, to get involved at the junior level of hockey, where uh, we're starting to see record numbers in uh, the USHL and the North American League for players that are committing to Division One colleges. I think, in general, the game has changed immensely. Uh, back when back when I played, you're probably looking more um, a lot more rigid, uh, a lot more physical, uh, probably a lot more uh, fighting back then. To be candid. Um, you know, hockey is, is, is definitely changed quite a bit. And I think jun- the junior ranks are no different. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing to watch USHL games and North American League games and see how fast they are, uh, see how quick that tempo is and, and see how uh, talented and skilled the players are at, at, uh, at those two levels in particular. Yeah. And when you, so you went to, you went to Miami, uh, and you, you played your college hockey there having come out of junior how prepared you know looking back on it how prepared were you to 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 face the competition play you know and i don't i imagine it was still a pretty pretty college hockey was still pretty old quote unquote old, you know older players back then it's it's gotten i think older uh certainly as 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 more and more uh, colleges are having players age out of junior and come in as 21 year old freshmen but Certainly, it, 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 it was an adjustment moving up the level. So how prepared did you feel that the junior experience you know, made you for what you faced when you were, when you were in, uh, in the NCAA? Um, I, I think it's uh, a, a bit of a double-edged sword to talk about. When, when you really look at it, 
going from junior hockey to college hockey is an, an immense jump. And uh, I did it when I was 18 years old. Uh, looking back now as, as a, a, a grown man that's been involved in hockey now and I've seen it from maybe a different a different lens, uh, I wish I would have played another year of junior hockey and, and really found a way to physically mature myself as a player on and off the ice. Um, my first year as a freshman at Miami, uh, I did okay, but I, I struggled in many ways just physically uh, being able to compete against 22, 23, 24, 25-year-old men. Um, I don't think that's changed a, a ton uh, in regard to, you know, the, the transition nowadays, either from USHL uh, or the North American League to Division One. Um, <clears throat> in general, uh, the physical side is, is truly going to be the biggest difference for these kids because you go from playing against you know, 16 to 20 year olds to playing against 18 to 25 year olds. So there's a pretty big difference physically. Um, I think from just a general skill set and competition base, um, I was extremely prepared for that level. You know, back in, in 1997 when I was a freshman at Miami and, and the years before, we didn't have strength and conditioning programs like like these kids have nowadays. Um, you know, it was a completely different animal. You know, we were kind of left to our own to figure out how to get stronger or prepared for our next steps. Um, so a lot of my physical development actually came during my time at Miami because it was kind of the first structured uh, strength and conditioning aspects that I really had been put into. And um, I can tell you it did wonders uh, for myself and, and for the guys that I played with for sure. So the kids nowadays, I think, are even more prepared to step out of juniors to play in, in college hockey uh, just because uh, there's such a, uh, an, emph- an emphasis on the strength and conditioning component and the off-ice component. Uh, pretty much all these kids have their own you know, uh, skill coaches or strength coaches, and uh, some of them have dietitians now. Um, I can assure you that we didn't have those things uh, back in 97. They weren't weren't a focal point. So um, there's definitely some differences. And, and I do think nowadays uh, that emphasis has definitely put kids in a better position to move on to play college hockey and have success early in their careers. Great. Boys are pretty rambunctious. Are they off from, off from school today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a, a fundamental uh, – challenge i think it's a cultural challenge i mean maybe you call it the paradigm but we are called we, we are conditioned as 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 people as parents when we went through it is it you go to college at 18 19 you know and that's when you go and i think one of the things that parents and players really struggle with when making decisions about hey they want to play college hockey but there's that they're up against that culture that 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 timeline and, and typically they have friends that might not be involved in hockey but their kids are going off to schools at 18 19 years old and there's a a fear hey we're gonna get left behind and they don't always appreciate that if you're training to be a high level hockey player and you have aspirations to play pro you know you play as much junior as you can potentially uh and then you reset the clock when you go into the into college hockey, and you get more time to develop, and that really is what sets you up for success uh, to potentially play hockey as long as you can, which is, let's face it, what just about every player wants, right? So, do you see that? Is that is that something when you're talking to prospective players and parents, and they're very concerned about, well, we got to, you know, we, we got to get a commitment at 18, or we got to get, you know, if he doesn't have a commitment, then it's time to maybe move on. It's not going to happen. Do you really find yourself having to spend a lot of time on the education piece, kind of working with with players and parents and people to say, hey, you really do have time, and there's nothing wrong with being older, more seasoned, and, and prepared for that that next jump to college. Yeah, I mean, 
it's hypersensitive now, right? I mean, I, I coach midget hockey and I can tell you even at the, the 15 U level, um, people are extremely uh, anxious about uh, getting that call on January 1st or getting that offer on, on August 1st. Um, it, it, we do a lot of education with parents. We try to, to uh, make sure that they understand how this process really works. We try to let them know that it is a big decision. And sometimes when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, uh, you might not be ready to make that decision. Um, there are times when you're 15, 16, 17 years old where you're not even presented the opportunity to make that decision because, um, you know, you're still going through your path of development and all these kids definitely develop at different, uh, you know, different speeds and rates. So we deal with it um, at every level. I think, again, um, for the good and the bad, you know, hockey's definitely um, under a microscope more now today than it used to be. Um, but at the same time, tempering those expectations and then understanding that uh, from a developmental aspect, you're going to develop at different rates than everybody else. Don't compare yourself to your friend or your buddy or your teammate, um, you know, from, from, you know, wherever you played before. I think the biggest thing uh, for people to really, really focus on is understanding the value of time. And um, often, oftentimes they struggle with that. Um, I think for various reasons, whether it be, you know, the traditional path of getting to college at 18 years old and graduating at 21 or 22. Um, you know, that's kind of a, a mindset that we've established here in, in, in the U.S. Um, and it, unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily work with hockey. Um, we're the only only sport that really has you know kind of a, a purgatory, per se, where you're kind of stuck in between uh, high school and, and college sometimes. Um, and I think it's a great thing. I really do. I, you know, most of the most of the kids that uh, that struggle when they get to, to college hockey, uh, oftentimes they go in too early. And the one thing that, uh, you know, piece of advice I give people is that uh, marinate, you know, give yourself time, make sure when you go, you're ready. You shouldn't leave a level until you've dominated that level. Um, too many people are leaving, you know, whether it be midget hockey to juniors or juniors to college or college to pro, um, they're advancing too quickly and they're getting too excited about the next opportunity instead of understanding that I'm not ready for the next level until I can dominate my own. And um, that's the biggest piece of advice we give. And, you know, I think as a, as a coach, as a, as a GM, as a dad, um, that's been consistent with, with me in in terms of how I approach it. Uh, It's just too, too, uh, too big of a decision to rush and to raise. And, And again, hockey's hard as you get older, it becomes exponentially more challenging. Uh, you know, just because of, of the size and the speed and time and space goes away and, and guys, uh, guys, obviously, you know, as the pyramid closes off, they get better and better. So it really isn't a race. Uh, you want to make sure that when you get to your next step, you're ready for it uh, and you're ready to be able to, to walk in and not only compete, but also make an impact. Going back to coach Deskins, I remember fall of 2017 and your honey baked 16 team and talking to you about a young man who, you know, you say, I remember you were very confident. He's going to play. He's going to be, he's going to be a good USHL player and he's going to be able to play beyond that. And that's Zane Dempsey. And here we are, uh, four plus years later and you and I are much closer. You know, back then I was just the Omaha first year Omaha guy picking your brain about one of your players. And Zane is at, with the Dubuque fighting saints as a 20 year old. Uh, he's not off to school yet. Uh, but he has he has been patient with the process, and you know when you look at you know some of the players in your past that you've coached, and you see the way they're still they're still on track, and they're still they have put themselves in position to play 
you know, whether we're talking USHL, NHL, some of your guys are in college. I mean, you, you've, you've had quite, quite, you've got guys in, in major junior even that, that you coached in the past that have put themselves in position to continue to play hockey. Where, how, how, when you look back on some of those, those players fondly and, and you say to yourself, you know, you had a hand in their development, how, 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 how much do you keep up with that and how much pride do you derive from maybe the small influence that you've had on them and, and being able to maybe keep them on the path to, to being successful? You know, it's like, like everything in life. Um, sometimes people want fast results and we're kind of, uh, <clears throat> you know, immediate uh, gratification type of a society at times. And um, nothing can um, do better for you than time. And over the years, I've uh, been very fortunate, um, you know, to have a great staff with me, have a lot of really talented players come through, uh, kids like Zane, that maybe it took them a little more time to go through their path and figure out where they were going to be in, in the grand spectrum of things with, with hockey. Um, I mean, obviously, he's, he's done extremely well for himself in, in Dubuque. Uh, very proud of him and, and his, his um, uh, steadfastness to, to continue to to grow as a player and work through the hurdles and the obstacles, because as I said earlier, it doesn't get easier. It gets harder. Um, but it just shows you how, how development really, uh, unfortunately it's not necessarily linear. Um, you know, you're going to have setbacks, you're going to have times where things are hard and the guys who continue to push through that and, and have that type of demeanor tend to tend to figure things out and make it so extremely proud of Zane and, and the opportunity that he's presented and earned for himself. Um, and for all my players, uh, we've been, Again, very, very lucky. We've had a lot of talented kids who've believed in, in what we do and uh, have, have put themselves in a position where they're committing to play for our programs. And, um, you know, you look at the kids that are playing in, in the OHL or the kids that are, you know, drafted in the National Hockey League now or kids that are playing in college hockey or USHL or even all. Um, there's a lot of, of, of great players that have come through our programs. And I think first and foremost, it's a, a tribute to the to my assistant coaches, um, just great people, great guys who understand the game and uh, really put in a lot of time and effort. Um, and I think it's a tribute to the kids for the work that they've put in. Um, and again, uh, the determination that they have to continue through this path because it can be very, very uh, challenging at times. So um, for me as a coach, you know, I have this conversation often with, with our players, like, you know, the winning's great. You know, we, we definitely uh, want to be competitive at all times, but you know, my life isn't changing from, you know, winning a, a state championship or a, a game in September or whatnot. Um, what really makes it special for, for myself as a coach is, is to see kids grow and, and get their opportunities at higher levels and, and um, see them succeed because it feels like we, we, you know, had a small part in preparing them for their next steps. Great. Little Caesars now, but honey baked prior, won a nat- tier one national championship with the, with your 15s and, you know, a lot of those players have gone on to, you know, they're playing, they're playing high level hockey, junior hockey now, but can, can talk about that? Cause that, I mean, you won a national championship and that team was really special and you did it, you did it despite some, some challenges and some things that were going on, you know, with the, you know, with the pandemic certainly. And, um, you know, what, what, what made, you know, and then what made the, that, 
those groups that you coached the last couple of years, you know, made them winners or what, what were some of the attributes and the, the things that were woven into the fabric of those teams beyond the obvious talent? Cause let's face it, you can't win without, without talent. And you've always been very good at identifying talent and, and getting those guys. But when it comes down to the difference between a, a really good team and a championship team, what are some of the, the common denominators that those guys, that those kids have when they come together as a team? Yeah, I mean, I think step back, rewind the tape to, uh, you know, two and a half, three years ago now with, with the old four group that we had, um, which I think that group collectively uh, just elite, elite, elite level uh, talent uh, from that team. And, but more importantly, elite level kids, uh, you know, that was a group that was extremely special and gifted. And they found a way throughout the course of that entire season to, uh, push their individual egos aside and 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 play for the betterment of the team. Um, I, I will tell you that that was, uh, albeit we probably had one of the most talented teams in the country, it was probably the most challenging year of coaching that I've ever had. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Um, it was just different. Um, it was more of um, psychology and how do we push and how do we pull to make sure that we keep the group together and keep them going in the right direction. Um, and, and again, give the kids a ton of credit because, um, they just found a way to stick together through the entire process. And, uh, the O5 five group was very different. Um, it's one of the things that I told our O fives at, at one point in the season last year is, you know, I kind of felt as a coach that they were trying to live up to what the O fours did. And, um, you know, it's natural, it's human, human nature to, to try to, to fill those shoes, but I wanted them to fill those shoes in a different way, um, because the team was built differently, um. I think we were bigger. We were heavier. Our decor was, was elite. I mean, as elite as they come, probably the best decor in the country last year. And we were fortunate to have great goaltending. And, you know, the 04 group, I think we scored six, over six goals a game that year with the 04s. And we only scored like three and a half last year with the 05s. Um, so it was a total different animal in terms of the type of team. But, but the one thing that was consistent amongst both those teams was number one, our leadership. Um, you know, the guys in, in the, in the locker room, you know, the Owen Bakers of the world, the Chase Patillas of the world, the Justin Farners of the world, the Frankie Nazars, um, you know, Cole Spicer, you know, the, the, these kids that, um, you know, from the 04 team that, that, that just kept things together and kept things competitive but healthy. And then you look at kids on our 05 team. I mean, I've said it to multiple people. Zach Schultz is the best captain I've ever been around my entire, my entire life, um, in, including from the time I was, you know, six years old playing all the way up until – you know, being 42 now in the GM in, in Youngstown, um, he has a special ability to bring people on board um, without trying to carry a big stick. Uh, it's just who he is. He, he is the consummate uh, team guy and professional and leader. Um, and he was amazing for us. You know, Charlie Serrato was a kid, obviously, from a talent perspective, uh, elite level talent, but from a competitive perspective, he drove our practices. Um, and without him, I don't, I don't know if, if we do what we did because um, practice is, is truly, to me, that's the, the biggest reason why teams are, are successful or uh, the reason why they fail is, is what they do on the ice in practice. There are no people there watching them. Um, and those two teams in general were extremely competitive in practice. Uh, we had moments where, you know, kids are, are ready to, to go toe to toe and, and, and get after each other because they want to win. And um, it was really important to them to get better every day uh, on the ice at practice. So 
um, I think that the biggest common denominator is is leadership and and obviously uh, having a group of kids that can set their own personal agendas aside um, and then put put themselves and their teammates on another level from a, a competition standpoint uh, in practices and in the weight room uh, to make sure that that you keep going in the in the right direction and we've been really fortunate with that I think over all the years. Um, you know, it's something that we pride ourselves in as coaches. We, we try to go extremely up-tempo with how we practice. Um, every single day we start drill with a, a competitive a competitive drill, um, and we do that for a reason. We try to get the kids going immediately so when game time comes and the puck drops, we don't have a, a five-minute gap uh, in, in ready, when, when we're ready to compete. Um, and, again, I think you look at the players, and, and uh, they're the ones that have to make that choice and that type of effort and commitment and sacrifice every day. And we've been very fortunate to, to have a lot of great players that have uh, given us uh, a chance. New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast will return after this message. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Do you want to skate fast? For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. Players who attend Laura Stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M.com. You can learn to skate fast. Let's talk about the USHL. So first year, I mean, we were together. We were we were AGMs, assistant GMs together in Omaha and with, not, with David Nyes. And, and you guys are both in different locations now. You're in you're in Youngstown uh, in the seat, and and, and, and David's over in Tri City as associate head coach, and continuing to build that power of a team that, with Tri City Storm, but. Uh, how's how's it gone so far, and 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 what are your impressions now from the from the chair? And again, I, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Ryan Kosecki and, and and you know you guys your dynamic there in Youngstown. But just overall, what have been your impressions of, of Youngstown, the organization, and and the team you have, and how things are going so far? For me, um, a, a lot of gratitude for people like you and 
people like Nisey and, and uh, Dave Wilkie in, in Omaha, um, you know, who who were so open and willing to allow me to be a part of, of what we did um, while while I was there. Um, and obviously, uh, a huge respect uh, for all you guys. And, and going into the Youngstown situation, it was it, it was ideal because Ryan and I, uh, Koseki and I, have, have been friends for a long time, and we've actually had conversations in the past about you know it'd be great to to you know try to to manage a team together at, at the ushl level and um thankfully for him and, and his willingness to be uh, open-minded uh you know it's all worked out really really well for us so we have a you know a special dynamic uh, between the two of us because we're very candid and honest with each other and uh, still very open-minded and respectful of others uh, of each other's opinions um i think it's been a, a huge benefit uh to, to what we're doing in youngstown um having a, a unilateral decision maker, um, you know, albeit somebody has to pull the trigger on things, but it, it's unbelievable, unbelievably healthy uh, to be able to pick up the phone and call someone and talk through situations that you're going through as, as a group and um, having that type of balance and, and, and checks and balances per se, uh, I think has put us in a great spot in Youngstown. Um, you know, when we came on board, it was end of June. Um, I think as a team, we probably, weren't in the spot that we would have liked to have been in, um, you know, with returning players and, you know, even some of our, um, you know, some of our, our players that had requested trades, um, you know, so we kind of walked into a bit of a hornet's nest uh, and had to move a few guys right away. Um, and, and, and obviously have, have continued to try to rebuild uh, the team kind of on the fly for this year. And it's been a great experience so far. I think, um, you know, we've been very competitive in the Eastern conference and, um, I think we uh, we have a chance every single day to to win a hockey game. So um, we're continuing to build. We're not perfect. We still have have areas we want to improve in. I think for us, it's it's changing the culture as best as we can and putting a culture together that um, that breeds development first and foremost um, is a healthy environment for our players uh, so that they feel um, like they can get what they want out of the experience here. Um, making it something that's player centric, so everything that we do, you know, is going to be. Uh, revolved around what our players need. Um, and then lastly, finding a way to, to be as competitive as, as possible within that, that environment. So um, we're on the right track. I, I think, you know, again, we still have a long way to go and there's going to be hurdles along the way, but I think overall, right. And I feel um, extremely good about the position that we're in today. And we think we're just going to continue to grow and, and build upon that. Great. Uh, you got a couple new England guys on your roster. Um, one that was kind of near and dear to my heart, although you benefit because I, I lost out. But but Kyle Chavette from from uh, New Hampshire, little known story. But if you ask Kyle, he'll 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 back it up. Uh, I was recruiting him for Omaha. Uh, he was a player I had seen with the New Hampshire Monarchs, and I had a lot of time for him. And I thought he was kind of an underrated. You know, he had a Holy Cross commitment, but I felt he was underrated, and he was playing for Maine Nordiques at the time. And I said, uh, hey, you know what, Let, let's get you out to Omaha, and I'm, I don't think I can convince uh, the big man to draft you, but we'll give you every opportunity. And he was really intrigued. I thought we were going down the road, and then all of a sudden I find out I'd lost out to Youngstown. And you know, closer to home probably worked out better for it. But, but just between Kyle and between Shane Lachance, you've got a nice representation of, of two local players from New Hampshire, Massachusetts. You know, how, how, how are things going with them, and, and how are they contributing to the, to the, to the fabric and the dynamic of the – the 21, 22 Youngstown Phantoms. Um, yeah, I think um, definitely, you know, hockey is a small world, right? Comes full circle, uh, you know, 
four years later or three years later, Kyle's in, in Youngstown with us. And um, he's been awesome. You know, he's been our backbone this year. I think for him, um, you know, getting the experience that, that he's, he's acquired, um, you know, last season and then walking in this year and, and being in a position where he had to continue to earn everything he got. Um, there were no promises to, to Kyle Chauvet in terms of, of where he was going to be or the number of games he was going to play or whether he was going to be our, our starter, our backup or our third string goalie. Um, and I have a ton of respect for him because of that. He's, uh, he, he's, uh, the consummate worker. He's an unbelievable teammate. Um, and he's just been our backbone all year long without him. We're definitely not in the position we're in. So great kid. We're very fortunate to have him obviously, um, you know, worked his way, uh, through his path and, and has committed to union. Um, then I think it's going to be an amazing fit for him and he's going to do a great job, a great job for them as well. Um, chancers, um, he's been awesome. He's, uh, he's, he's probably, you know, one of those guys again, that, um, really drives our locker room, really drives our practices. Um, he's, he's endeared, uh, himself to his teammates. Uh, I think there's a ton of respect, uh, for him in, in our locker room and, and with our staff. Um, and he's really evolved over the course of the season. Um, it's a big jump, as we talked about earlier, going from, you know, uh, midget hockey or prep hockey to junior hockey and, and the USHL being a whole other animal. And, um, you know, we're really proud of his efforts and, and proud of, of uh, his commitment to continuing to get better and working through some of those some of those hurdles and obstacles that have presented themselves. Um, you know, he's starting to starting to produce a little bit offensively, knock on wood, but uh, we're excited to see his, his development continue. And um, again, just very lucky to have him in Youngstown. A guy I meant I forgot to mention. You have another mass guy on there, and that's Grant Porter. Uh, and I know he was playing the NCDC last year, but he's he's you know he looks like he's a good depth guy, someone that's really providing you know as, as an O two. He's got some. He came in with some junior experience. He's probably one of those good solid roster guys that's that's helping you guys in in terms of the grand scheme and the and, and the overall. You know, being above five hundred and, and being poised to maybe move and, and and push and make make some make some noise the second half. Yeah, Grant's been great for us. The more we talk about it, it sounds like we need more New England kids in, in Youngstown because uh, they've all been been excellent for us in terms of their character, the type of people they are, and teammates that they are, and um, just from an ability standpoint, they've all fit in nicely with with our group. And uh, Grant is no different. He's a, a tireless worker. He's a great great kid, great teammate. Uh, always got a smile on his face and, and uh, always focused on, on what's in the best interest of the Youngstown Phantoms and not just Grant Porter. So um, it's been a, a pleasure having him here and, and excited that, um, you know, he worked his way through his process as well and, and committed to Providence and um, they're getting a great kid and, and a great player. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I look at your team and I definitely see the, see the Deskins and Kaseki stamp. Uh, you've got some, you know, you've kept some good guys that were there before your arrival and you've brought in some guys and that it just puts a smile on my face just because, you know, whether we're talking about Jaden Grant and you know, I think you guys did a great job with Adam Ingram, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, whoever at Youngstown was, was able to, to identify him and bring him in. But you, know, you look at some of these other guys like Justin Varner and TJ Schweigert and, you know, Andrew Centrella, you know, talking about some guys with some New England connections, even though they're not natives of the region, they're going to be playing college hockey up here. 
just really nice work. Chase Patella. I mean, that's a, you know, talk about a Deskins guy. Um, so just, I look at this roster and I think there's so much potential, um, you know, and, and that's the thing about the USHL is it's such a competitive league. It's not how you start. It's how you finish truly. So it takes time to, to come together. And we certainly saw that in our times in Omaha together, you know, and, and, and so looking at the, at the league itself, um, what would be, for, for people that maybe are not as familiar with the USHL, what's your general impression of the league this year in terms of the trends? You know, what, what, you know, how much, um, how much skill is in the league speed, uh, state of goaltending, like for, for, for players that are like, Hey, I want to play in the USHL, but maybe they don't appreciate or understand just how tough a cut it is to make. What would you say is kind of the state of the league this year? I mean, the USHL, it's astounding. Uh, when you watch a game up close and personal, um, how good it is. It's it's so fast. It's so skilled. It's so competitive, which I think is is probably, the, the in my opinion, the, the biggest difference from kids that are coming out of uh, youth hockey or prep hockey, high school hockey. Um, they have no idea what the competition level is and, and how the second, third, fourth efforts are and, and how heavy these guys play and they don't throw pucks away and they're always – you know, using their bodies to protect and possess and wait for support and wait for help. Um, it's just, a, it's a man's league. It really is. And, you know, I think you look at the league in, in totality, like there's obviously the Eastern conference and the Western conference, um, you know, two very different conferences in, in many ways in terms of, of style. I think, you know, the West is, is, is um, I think a little bit more designed on how do I keep pucks out of the net and still, you know, find a way to produce enough offense um, maybe a little bit heavier. And I think the East, obviously, from a, a talent perspective and a speed perspective, um, that's that's probably more of a focal point. And I think top to bottom right now in the Eastern Conference, um, you know, it's scary. I mean, we had a conversation as, as a group, um, you know, maybe a week ago or so. And, you know, you, you, know the, the, you can go out and Youngstown Phantoms can compete against the, the number one, two, and three seed on any given night. And we can go out and lose to the seven or eight seed on any given night right now, um, which is what it's all about. I think the parity in the league is, is, is off the charts. And I think it, um, it really breeds for, for competitive hockey and down the stretch, it's going to be amazing to see where these teams go. Cause there's going to be a big push, I think from everybody, um, you know, in the Western conference, um, you know, maybe not as, not quite as tight right now, but still very, uh, you know, very, very tight at the top, you know, four five, six teams right now trying to battle for, you know, for points and, and find ways to, to increase their, you know, their standing within their conference. And um, it, it's just a great league all in all uh, when you really look at it. I think, um, you know, like I said, many kids don't necessarily understand how big of an adjustment it's going to be for them. Um, you know, it, it really is a, a it's, it's a, a tough league to play in and it's a great league for, for development, obviously, and preparation for the next levels. And this year is, is definitely no different. It's uh, it's going to be fun, fun to finish off this season and watch these teams go through uh, the playoff race. Yeah, no question. So looking back on your time in Omaha coming out of the Western Conference, what were some of the things that you picked up from your experience? Uh, you know, being being part of the of the of the hockey ops, 
group there with the Lancers that you've been able to apply that you think really helped you for, you know, to find that success and the, and the willingness? Because you've, you've, you've certainly been willing to make some moves and not just maintain the status quo this year. So what, what were some of the, when looking back on the experiences you had in your, in your previous work, not just maybe not just in Omaha, but also your time with Maryland in the, in, in the NA uh, that have really helped you to be, you know, a successful first-year GM? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been very fortunate. Um, I have had opportunities to work with great hockey people, um, you know, in general from, you know, my, my U15 coaching staff and to, to colleagues and friends like Ryan Kosecki and uh, my time in Maryland with, with Clint Millamock, um, you know, just a great mentor for me and, you know, really gave me a better feel for what it's like uh, to be on the other side where, um, you know, you have to, to not only evaluate your own team, but you're evaluating players from all across the league and, you know, trying to, to, to find ways to create balance and make tweaks amongst your, your group to be competitive and, and obviously change with the times because through the course of the year, there's a lot of different phases. You know, you have your preseason phase, uh, you have your, your initial start of the regular season phase, and then you kind of get to that, you know, holiday break phase. And now teams are looking at, you know, the trade deadline coming up and acquiring new, new and additional pieces to get better. And, um, you know, the pace of play and the competition level is only going to go up, you know, throughout each phase of, 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 uh, of the season. Um, so it was, it was great experience learning from Clint, um, you know, and then obviously uh, Dave Wilkie in, in Omaha, uh, still to this day, a, a great friend and mentor for me. And um, he's a guy that uh, when I, when I took the opportunity in, in Youngstown um, was extremely supportive uh, and still to this day, uh, gives me guidance and you know, I ask him a lot of questions and you know he's um, very upfront and honest with me and, and I think it's really put me in a in a position to 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 be better at what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis and I'm forever grateful to uh, to coach Wilkie for providing me the opportunity in, in Omaha to work with him um, I learned a lot in that in that time I think um, you know the biggest thing you know, I said the word balance earlier but you know balance to me um you know, when you're the GM of a, of a team is extremely important. Um, finding ways to have a, a collectively good team um, and not just having, you know, uh, one line or two lines and maybe a, a deep pair or two that can play. Um, that's something that, that I learned from, from, from Coach Wilkie. And I know it paid dividends for our, our time in Omaha. We were always extremely competitive and made pushes, uh, you know, throughout those phases of the season. And um, I think, you know, for our short time here in, in Youngstown, I've really applied that type of principle to, to what we're trying to do here. And we don't want to be uh, a human transaction per se. Um, you know, there's still 16 to 20 year old kids. So we want to be very careful about about movement, uh, especially in season movement. But, you know, we also uh, two things. One, we we're, we're trying to uh, build this, um, you know, a little bit different way. I don't want to say rebuild. I think that's that's you know, probably disrespectful to the guys that put in time before. Um, but I think, you know, we're trying to do things just a little bit differently and that's going to take some change uh, initially. Secondly, um, we want this to be a program that's that's uh, uh, designed on developing our players and, and preparing them for the next steps and, and hopefully minimizing transactions. So it's a balancing act there as well, right? So um, everything that we're trying to do is, is trying to uh, obviously put our players in positions to succeed uh, on the ice and off the ice first and foremost. Um, and then again, trying to balance out our uh, transaction process and our uh, evaluation process and our drafting process and recruiting process uh, to make sure that that we collectively have a good team 
that has few holes. Uh, I'm just a, a big believer in trust, and um, I have you know uh, personal experiences with all of those players, and I know what I'm going to get on a day to day basis, and I think they they feel the same way, um, you know, about about us and what we're going to provide for them. So it's really been a great fit. Um, I, I think you'll probably see. Uh, over the course of time that there's going to be a lot of uh, quote unquote Deskins guys or, or Koseki guys that end up in, in Youngstown and we wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, we definitely want to uh, want to make sure we're taking care of our own and, and we want to make sure that there's a, a great trust factor amongst the players with the staff and, and vice versa. So, so I guess um, just kind of we're wrapping, we're looking, looking, looking here. It's been a great conversation. What are the on and on and off ice attributes that you're looking for in USHL players, players that, that aspire to, you know, whether it's Youngstown, whether it's Chicago Steel or national team, what are some of the, the attributes that are going to help a kid get there and stay there both on and off the ice? Yeah, I mean, general character that has nothing to do with playing ability is the first and foremost attribute that we're looking for. Uh, we want good kids, we want good people. We want kids that are able to separate me, me, me from we, we, we. Um, it's really important. It's non-negotiable for us. Um, I think, um, you know, on the ice, obviously, we value hockey intelligence. Um, it's the very first thing that we tell our scouts to evaluate. Um, if if your hockey IQ isn't where, you know, it needs to be, that's going to be, be a, an issue for us. Um, we evaluate. Uh, compete level and that's kind of 1a and 1b with with the hockey iq and you have to have those two things um in order to to move to the next step with us and i think lastly it's it's your stick skill in combination with your ability to get around the ice so um i'm a firm believer that skating is very important but i also have seen um a lot of players come through different leagues that weren't elite skaters um, that they just have a high, high-end compete level and an elite hockey IQ and an elite stick skill. And those three things tend to translate um, from level to level, no matter if it's might hockey to uh, squirt hockey or if it's um, you know college hockey to, to pro hockey. Um, so those are the three things that for us, like, you, you know, we check off those three boxes and then you know check off the fourth box in terms of making sure that they're, they're a high-character high character kid that is going to fit into our culture of of, of we, we, we in, in Youngstown. And, um, you know, at that point we start to dig in more on players and, and figure out more about, um, you know, the type of student they are and, you know, type of uh, friend they are. You know, we talk to a lot of different people about these players to learn about them um, because truly it, it only takes one, uh, one bad egg to, uh, to, to, to screw up the rest. So we're very careful about uh, character and, and off ice as, as well as obviously the onyx piece. Great. What are what are the kids guys that are a year or two out now need to be doing right now if they're going to be serious about playing at that level or even in the North American League? What do they need to be doing, Des? The biggest thing I can I can tell kids, and we say it over and over and over again. I tell my fifteen new kids, and they probably get sick of hearing it, but um, it, it truly is the truth. Um, you know, for us in particular, I, I, I'll be honest, I couldn't tell you the number of points that. You know the kids that are listed on our on our draft board. I don't know how many goals and assists they have. I I, I don't. Um, what I do know is that they're elite thinkers. They're elite competitors. They have elite stick skill, uh, and they're and the, and and when we do our background, they're going to be good people. Um, put away 
the uh, the gaudiness, put away the selfishness, and and just be a good, well-rounded, two hundred foot player that competes in all three zones, that wins fifty fifty battles, um, that makes the right play. Um, no matter what that is, take what's given. If, if, if you make a good decision over and over and over again, you're probably going to end up with a really good result at the end of the day. And um, I think, I think too many kids, you know, think that they have to uh, showcase themselves or score a ton of goals. And listen, I'm not telling you goals aren't important. Obviously, you know, you got to score enough goals to win hockey games, but when it's all said and done, um, truly being a, a 200 foot player that gives your, your, your team a chance to win every single time you're on the ice uh, is what's, is, is what, what these kids really are. are many of them are missing. Um, I think that, and then I think obviously from a strength conditioning standpoint, leave no stone unturned um, because there are many kids that are young that, you know, come into the league and, and their only hurdle that they really face is the fact that they're just not big enough or strong enough or fast enough to play in the league. And sometimes that's time and sometimes it's, it's work ethic, right? So uh, what you do away from the rank and what you do when nobody is watching is going to directly dictate how successful you are um, when the puck drops at 7 p.m. in the USHL. Well, that is a great way to, to put a cap on, a, on what has been a tremendous conversation. He's Jason Deskins coming to us via Zoom from Michigan. I'm Kirk Ludicky, and hey, it's been a real pleasure having you on talking. These, we could have gone on and on, but I know you've got things to do, and, and uh, so I think that's a great, great, great place to hold it and uh, wish you the best as the season continues. And again, thank you so much for joining us on uh, RinkWise. Thanks for having me, Kirky. All right. Until next time, we'll see you at the rink. Thanks for listening to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at NE Hockey Journal, on Instagram and Facebook at New England Hockey Journal, and subscribe to New England Hockey Journal online at hockeyjournal.com. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise is a Siemens Media Podcast.